Hey, we're back for another edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure to get in the studio with our guest and yesterday, late yesterday, to call my good friend Steve Markham. Steve is the missions pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church. We've known each other for many years. We're privileged today to meet a pastor who is planting a church in Mexico, Julio Ariola. Julio is the lead pastor of Iglesia Vida Life Church in Guadalajara, Mexico. Julio, when Steve told me you were in town and you might be available today, I was really excited to hear about this work that's going on. Welcome to Memphis and welcome to Bot Radio Network. Well, thank you, Byron. It's, it is a privilege for me to be here with you and uh, share about what, what God is doing in Guadalajara, Mexico, the second largest city of Mexico with six to eight million people and only 2% born-again believers. My goodness. Well, Julio, also want to get some backstory about where you grew up and family. Now, before we get too far back, I understand that you, for a period of time, for about five years, I believe, were serving on staff with Dr. Ronnie Floyd in Northwest Arkansas. That's correct. I was the worship pastor, the global worship pastor at Cross Church. Uh, I served there for five and a half years. I also served as a music director for the Southern Baptist Convention for two years in a row from 2015 to 2016. That area of northwest Arkansas is some of the most beautiful country, as you well know. Yeah. Crystal Bridges, that nice art museum oh, is there. Yeah. And, of course, the founding of, of Walmart started right there in Bentonville, Arkansas. But the church there, the churches, the church you're talking about there mm-hmm. with Dr. Floyd and those crosses, I've got on my computer if I can find it. I stopped because mm-hmm. I saw these Incredible crosses, you know, <laughs> yes. like Bellevue here in Memphis has these huge crosses. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, so good to have you back up and talk about childhood for you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Guasave, Sinaloa, Mexico. That's in the northwest side of Mexico. I, I was born there. And uh, when I was 15, I moved to Guadalajara, Mexico. That's where I went to high school and college. My dad died when I was a year and a half old. He was a, a pilot of a Cessna plane. He had an accident and he died. My, my mom remarried. I have two brothers and, and a sister from my mom's second marriage. When I was 15, moved to Guadalajara. In Guadalajara, uh, at the age of 19, I, I met the Lord. I was exposed to the gospel. I went to, to a, a young adult meeting, a student's meeting, and somebody shared about, about Jesus yeah. and the love of Jesus. And, and that night, I surrendered my life to the Lord. What do you remember about growing up? Help us understand from those living here in Memphis, Tennessee, or those stateside, to understand what was life like for you in Mexico? Well, in Mexico, depending on, on, on the different stages of, of my life, when I was in Sinaloa, Mexico, my, my childhood was uh, a combination of sadness and happiness. Sadness because of the loss of my, my father, but also happiness because I have family all around uh, me. In Mexico, uh, especially when you live in a, in a smaller town, you are surrounded always by family. It's not like in the States that you, you know, once somebody finished school uh, or high school, they just go and, and probably they don't come back, right? Yeah. Well, in, in Mexico, especially in small towns, you, you live close to grandma, grandpa, uncles, uh, cousins, and, and all everyone else. So you get this extended family. All the extended yeah. family is there. So I grew up until I was 15. So the biggest challenge for me was right after that when I had to move to Guadalajara from a little town to Guadalajara, which is uh, you know the second largest city of, of Mexico, millions and millions of people. Uh, that was a big shock for me, but I went there because uh, part of my dad's family uh, lived there. So 
uh, I wanted to study in a in a college right there in that city. So my my best option was to move with with family. And what did you study in college? I went to uh, University of Guadalajara, Universidad de Guadalajara, and I started to be a computer engineer. So at that point, even though you had become a, a follower of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. there was no intention to go in the ministry. No, I came to the Lord when I was in the middle of college. It was not about uh, until I went to a Bible camp or youth camp, students camp, that the Lord really called me to ministry. I didn't even know what that, that was. I just felt the burden to go and share the gospel with other people, especially the first people that I needed to go was my family. All my family on my mom's side were lost. So the Lord called me to go and share the good news of Jesus to them, and it grew in me. So I, I really enjoyed yeah. uh, doing yep. that until finally we were exposed to a Bible institute that is in Argentina, uh, Word of Life Bible Institute. I've I heard of your... yeah, I'm very familiar with that Bible Institute. I've actually had some folks on the show in the past that went to that school. Really? Yeah. So um, we, we decided to go. Uh, my, my wife and I met uh, a couple of years before that, so we, we, uh, we met in 1997, we married in 1999. My wife's grandparents were missionaries from the uh, Baptist Convention, from the IMB, into Mexico for about 36 years. Wow. So my wife was born in, in Mexico, and uh, and now we are uh, back in this. In I'm sorry, we we went to Argentina. We got prepared to be missionaries, and um, and then the Lord brought us to the U.S. We thought it was going to be three months, and um, and we stayed in the States for 15 uh, and a half years. I mean, this journey of going from computer technology yes. dreams, then you're leading worship at a Baptist church in America. Yes. I mean, tell me about the music background. Well, my dad, he was a singer, too. I mean, it, it, that was his hobby, and it became my hobby as Is this well. your stepdad or your uh, my, my, biological my, dad? My biological dad. So when he died, I was a year and a half old. But everyone in my family would tell me, you know, Julio, your dad used to sing and used to play the guitar yeah. and jeans. So, so I began learning uh, how to play guitar and singing, and I and I got that as a as a hobby. So I I, I always tell family and, and friends, watch out for for your hobby because it, it can become your your uh, your way of uh, living. I mean, yeah. I started in broadcasting when I was fourteen years old, is just as a volunteer, and it became go. a hobby. And now, how many years later, we're doing this together? Yeah. yeah. So so when I uh, when I went to Argentina and um, I, w- I was singing, and they they invited me to sing in the uh, ensemble, uh, the singing ensemble of, of Word of Life, and uh, and I began traveling in South America. Then came to came back to to Mexico for a few weeks. Then went to the states, and in the states they began inviting me in in the Houston area, inviting me to go and sing in different churches in English and Spanish. I didn't know much English back then, so I had to memorize the songs. And then finally one day. One church in the Sugarland, Texas area invited me to go and sing a special song. Then they invited me to lead worship on a Sunday. And then they finally told me, Julio, we're looking for a worship leader, man. Can you come and join us? So that's how I began leading worship. I stayed in that church for several years. And then finally, one day, Pastor Ronnie Floyd contacted me. And he said, Julio, you know, we're looking for a worship pastor for our Pinnacle Hills campus in Rogers, Arkansas. So that was in 2011, 
And a few weeks later, we were serving in that huge church. Before we move further, I want to go back to your relationship with your stepdad. Yeah. Okay. Some don't have the best when their moms or dads remarry. Mm -hmm. That relationship's, you know, always not real tight. Mm -hmm. How did that relationship turn out? It was good. With my stepdad, we never had a very, very close relationship. Uh, It was not a bad relationship either. Uh, since we are very tribal and, and, you know, in Mexico, especially in smaller towns, being surrounded by, by extended family, I was embraced by everyone. So they, they all protected the, the one that was hurting. In this case, it was me. So my, my stepdad, even though, uh, you know, he married my, my mom, uh, he was not basically into that closer, um, tribal group. And finally, we grew up, and I remember when I, I shared the Lord Jesus with my stepdad, and I began telling him how much I appreciated all that he did for me, because he, he accepted me uh, as his child, yes. and, and, um, and it was not easy. You know, you have one year and a half old, well, actually, back then I was four years old, uh, affected by the lostness, by, by the lo- loss of, of my father. And I was a child that was crying all the time. I was, I was a little troublemaker, too, complaining all the time. But it was not until I came to the Lord that I, I understood how difficult it was for him. Yes. I appreciated all that he did for me. Something I'm hearing you say, too, that I want to highlight for a second. When this relationship with Jesus became real to you, when you understood what he did on the cross was of value to you, it was going to change your life. I mean, we talk about this Christian life, this Christian faith, walking by faith. That's really what it is. But the excitement that you had, that you possessed, and the joy you had to tell others, you wanted your family to know this life change, you know, this message, what had taken place in your life. It's real. That's what I'm saying. This Christianity following Christ is not just attending church. This is life. This is there's something that happens inside you that gets transformed. Metamorphosis, when we talk about the mm-hmm. little you know, worm that goes in the cocoon and becomes out a butterfly, new mm-hmm. life. Anyone that's in Christ is a new creation. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in your life. Yeah, the old has gone, the new has come. But also, the other thing that I experienced was the reality of the joy that comes by knowing Jesus and the fulfillment of being in his presence. When you read John 10, 10, and, and you realize that the enemy have come to kill, steal, and destroy, but, but Jesus came to give us life. Yes. That's why we named our church Life Church or Iglesia yeah. Vida, because we believe that when you meet Jesus, your life makes sense. You have a purpose. And when you follow that purpose, that will of God, which is good, is pleasant and is perfect, then it helps you to feel fulfilled and you can communicate that with others, that, that life doesn't have to be bored and, and sad. Life with Jesus makes sense. Life with Jesus is joyful. Yes. Julio, there are some listening to our program today that might say, you know, there are many from the Latin American countries that are wanting to leave crime, poverty, or looking for a new life, looking for the American dream. Yeah. Seem like you had that American dream. You know, you're here and now you want to leave it and go back to Mexico. Yes. We were in, in Arkansas. We spent about 15 years in, in the States. I am a U.S. citizen, too. We have three kids. Uh, one is 16. The other one is 14. You don't even look like you have a 16-year-old. Uh, I have a 16-year-old. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Byron. But, yes, I do have a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and, and a 12-year-old uh, girl. We were in a very sweet spot in our lives. Uh, we were in Northwest Arkansas. Crime and poverty was somewhere else, but not there. 
we had a, a nice house. We we were in uh, in one of the largest churches in America. I still have a great relationship with my pastor, Pastor Floyd, with a great position and all of the above. But Nehemiah chapter one and two in my life came, and Nehemiah was far away from home. He had a very privileged position. He was a cupbearer for the king. And then he received the news that the situation back home was not good. So he began praying and fasting and then finally received that, not only that burden, but but also the grace of God before his authority, before the king to explain and and share the, the, the situation. And out of that came not only the blessing, but the provision to go back and help his his community, his his city, and rebuild the the walls, the protection of of of, his, of Jerusalem. So, when you went back to Guadalajara, was there already a ministry or church you were connecting with, or were no. you, you this was something brand new? It, this is brand new. We we moved to Guadalajara um, at the beginning of 2017, so a little bit over two years. We just stepped out of our comfort zone. Uh, I was never a church plant, never planted a church, never uh, led a church either. I was not the preacher. I was a worship leader. I was a worship pastor. And then suddenly the Lord is calling us to go back to Mexico, plant the church, be the, 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 not only the singer, but also the, the preacher. So we just follow God's will and has been a great experience. God has done amazing things in Guadalajara. Where do you begin? You already had family there. We so had, you had some connections. Yes, we, we have family. We have uh, we still have great friends. Before we moved to Guadalajara, we began talking to some of those people that we haven't connected in, in years. And then we arrived and we just began networking, talking to people, sharing the good news, yes. uh, evangelistic um, trips and, and all of, all those things that we wanted to make Jesus known in the city, there are some other Christian and, and, and churches. What does that look like there in Guadalajara compared to here in Memphis or in Rogers, Arkansas, as you see the differences as you reach out to people and try to communicate the message of Christ? Well, the difference is every 100 people that you that you meet, uh, if they die, 98 will go to hell. Only two people are will go to heaven. So every time that you talk to anybody— there is a high possibility they haven't met Jesus. So the openness to the gospel, probably 20, 30, or 50 years ago, when, when my wife's grandparents were missionaries there, people were very close to the gospel. But now the fact that uh, Internet and social media and all of that has allowed people to be more open to the good news of Jesus. So we, we share the Lord Jesus, and people are open. Since and, and, we began with the church— over 1,300 people have come to Christ. Wow, that's exciting. And it's only a year and a half ago. And what about government restrictions? I mean, do you have total freedom? No. When we moved and uh, we began with the church, we had some situations with government officials and some city situations. They, they, they actually shut us down for a week. And the Lord just connected us with some other people that were working in government, and they allowed us to reopen the church. And when you say shut down, what did that involve? They came, some officials came to, to our church in the middle of our service, and they just told us that we couldn't continue, that we were not allowed to be there. And they had all kinds of excuses that were not actually real. They just wanted to close us. But that allowed us allowed us to actually get more prepared to what we have to do. 
And um, and we were in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting when this happened. So we talked to all the leaders in our church and we told them, guys, this is a spiritual battle. You can tell this is happening right in the middle of, of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yes. So we need to we need to just trust that the Lord is going to do something. And out of that, we began with a second service a few weeks later. That happened a year a year ago. And now we are over 450 people gathering every week between two services. That's so exciting. Julio, how did you prepare your children? Because, I mean, basically all they knew was life here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. At that time, I guess your daughter or oldest was it's now 16, was 14. Mm-hmm. So, 14, which, 12, and 10. Yeah, those are real tough ages. Yeah. I remember we went on the mission field, and my oldest son was 12 at the time. And it was a big adjustment. Matter of fact, when we went there to Guam, the other side of the world, he used to at nighttime say, God called you to be missionaries, not me. Because he was at that age when he was starting to track and get involved with sports and friends and, and all that he had left behind. Now, looking back at it, he says one of the greatest experiences he ever had. We're in the first step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, well, the younger they are, the easier it becomes to transition into this kind of life. Now, the one that is right now 12, my daughter, Elizabeth, she is well transition. She has adapted to the culture much easier than the other two. I have a middle child that that he is um, an Asperger's child. He loves ministry. Actually, he wants to be a missionary. We are very blessed to have a a child that that feels called to ministry, but at the same time, it hasn't been easy for for any of them, but especially for him because all the changes and and everything that the the new experiences and all that, those kind of children, they don't adjust well, but David, that has been the biggest challenge for him. And the oldest, even though he is 16 now, he knows that he's going to come back. He is like, Daddy, you know, in two years, once uh, I'm ready to go to college, I'm going to go to the States. So he's, he's he knows he's <laughs> he's temporarily there. The other two, perhaps they, they feel that they may stay there with us. They don't know. But they know we are there because we're called as yes. a family. And that's how we, we're dealing with that. And I want our listeners to pick up on this part of it too, Julio, the fact that when God calls you to another land or opportunity, you know, it doesn't mean everything's going to work out just perfect mm-hmm. the way you think it's going to work out, yeah. you know? And it's tough. Those family things you go through with your children, teaching them the process, but they're seeing a consistency of you trusting Christ and going wherever he calls you to go. Mm-hmm. And that's really the difference here, I believe. Yes. Well, the fact that we haven't had a Sunday without people coming to Christ, uh, the fact that every week we see new believers, the fact that we've baptized 110 people in just a year and a half, all those things energizes us, and especially me as a leader, but also my children. They yes. know they know that it may be a sacrifice not eating Chick-fil-A, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it is it is a huge blessing to know that hundreds and thousands of people are experiencing the the new life in Christ. They they're not going to hell. They they're going to heaven yes. as a result of their 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 faithfulness to go and follow God's calling. What about your concerns when you see and this is awesome as you see God, you know, moving in such a powerful way and, and people are being baptized, people are coming to faith in Christ. When you have growth of a new church so quickly, think about leadership. How do you prepare those believers to be in leadership roles, to minister back to the body? Yeah, we have a system process 
that we have everyone that goes to our church go through four steps. First step is for them to know Jesus and know the church. The second step is for them to be plugged into a small group and experience the freedom that we have in Jesus and the victory that we have in Jesus. The third step is for them to find out what the spiritual gift is. Their giftedness, not only with their talents, but also the spiritual giftedness. And the fourth uh, step is to be plugged into serving in some way. Those are the four steps that everyone that goes to our church needs to go through. And the other thing is we are very intentional in making sure that our people are being trained as leaders. This last weekend, we just had about 100 leaders, almost 100 leaders to go through Lead Like Jesus workshop. And we had almost 100 leaders to go through that. It was powerful to have everyone follow the steps of our Lord to to be uh, servant leaders. That's a part that in any place, especially in Mexico, is a concept that is not well modeled by authorities and, and not even in churches because of the, the way that we grew up in the system that we are in the government system, in the tribal system and all that, we don't see the leaders serving others. So when, when we present uh, this model and we say, look, to be leaders like Jesus, we need to wash the feet of those around us and love on others, and they need to see us serving them. And that was very powerful. So we, we've done that with our church. We model that. But also the way that I lead at Iglesia Vida is not only tra- recruiting, training, and also motivating the leaders, but also empowering them. That's what we do. We Many of them uh, have dreams about doing something for the Lord, and they came with great ideas. And we're blessed with people very, very well prepared. And we just tell them, okay, so I'm going to help you in bringing down these ideas that you have, and then you're going to lead it. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be able to do what I'm called to do, yeah. you know, the, to pastor. Yeah. And we have right now one-third of our church are volunteers. That's the serving. body of Christ doing what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Using the giftings the Holy Spirit has given, yes. you know. Isn't there another work that this church is planning, another church off of this church? Yes. We, uh, we're we going to celebrate our second anniversary on September 10th uh, this year. But this last Sunday, we had our first gathering with the North campus leadership. And we we just began training our leaders for the new campus that is going to launch September 29th. So a few weeks after we celebrate our second anniversary, we, we're we going to uh, launch our second church or second campus in, in the north side of Guadalajara. <laughs> we had almost uh, 90 people in this first uh, leadership uh, casting vision gathering. And uh, we we are excited. I mean, we you, you said not, not everything goes well, you know, and uh, depending on on where you go and and um, and the kind of the kind of uh, blessings that you receive from the Lord is the the results that you're gonna see. And, yes. And and I've I always told this uh, right now we are harvesting what other people have planted. Um, so if you are in ministry and suddenly you have people that that haven't experienced the results that we're that we're experiencing, you you may some people may may. Uh, listen to this and they're like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor here in this community, even the States or some other place. I don't have those results, man. I, I wish that I, in, 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 a, in a year and a half, I have 
you know, 100 people, you have 500 people, Julio, how do you do that? It's not how smart I am, because I'm not very smart. I'm just uh, have the grace of God on our side. But also many other people before us, like my my wife's grandparents, they they were sowing the seed uh, 50 years ago. Yes. And it was not easy. They planted churches that were probably 15, 20 people. And now Julio and his family came, and then suddenly the openness to the gospel is huge, and, and people are coming to Christ every week, but it's because somebody planted years before. Maybe maybe you are in a season of planting rather than harvesting, and you're making, you're making the life easier for maybe another pastor a few years later. Right now we're harvesting, and we're harvesting a great, great crop. This is so exciting, Julio. Being faithful where you are, no matter the circumstances, you know, as you say, you're reaping the benefits of others' labor, their toil, the work that they've done, the sacrifices mm-hmm. they made. This has been great. I'm so thankful that uh, my dear friend Steve Markham mm-hmm. recommended you come by today. This oh, has been thank awesome. You. Thank you, Byron. It, how it can, is a privilege. How to be can here. we pray for you, your family, and ministry? Well, pray that our family fall in love with Jesus every day. Uh, that our kids would. Love Guadalajara like uh, they loved uh, Rogers, Arkansas. That uh, also pray for for the new season in in our ministry with the second campus that we we're going to launch this year. We we want to make sure that that we don't um, we don't burn out. Yes, that that we that we are replenishing every day spiritually. Uh, that our energy is at the top every day that we empower and we find other leaders we need leaders and probably you you are listening to this and you're you're feeling called to the ministry well if you want to come and and fish a lot of fish spiritual fish just come to Guadalajara. Guadalajara is a place to go and open churches we we are there not not only to open one or two churches we want to want to reach um, we want to reach a city of 6 to 8 million people and, and having one, two, three, yes. ten churches is not going to make the, the work. No, it's not. Well, this again, I thank you so much for what you, your family, are doing for Christ's kingdom in Guadalajara, Mexico. This has been a joy. Thank you so much, Julio, for coming by and sharing this work and your vision and your excitement for Jesus. This has been great. What if folks want to follow up with your ministry? Is there a Facebook, a website? Yeah, they can go to uh, Facebook, Iglesia Vida GDL. Or they can send me an email. I think it's going to be easier for those that can't can't even spell, you know, Guadalajara. <laughs> but uh, you can send me an email to Julio J U L I O at Julio J U L I O A R R I O L A dot com. It's my first name, Julio at my first and last name together, Julio at julioariola.com. Or just call me at my U.S. number, 479-387-8556. Julio, God bless you, my dear friend. Thank you. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I do appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Say a word in Spanish to those who might be listening. Dios te bendiga. Dios te dé un día y una semana excelente. Pray for Julio and his family. Bye-bye. Thank you.